You got your Bible, so you're ready to hear the word. I'm excited to, to share the word of God with you this morning. Acts chapter 2. Um, uh, Acts chapter 2. The message today is, it's time to see. All right? It's time to see. Say that with me. Good, good. I'm going to begin reading from verse 17. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, I have it on the <laughs> overhead here, uh, on the screens over here, so you can follow along. In the last days, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. You know, in other words, that they, when they prophesy, says they're, they're going to be able to, to see beyond what's going on in the ordinary. They're going to be able to see, um, uh, beyond the current uh, circumstance. And uh, it says that the Lord will he'll pour out His Spirit, and, and the result of His Spirit being poured out to all people is that the people are going to be able to prophesy. And that speaks of something that is not tangible. It's not, it's not something that we don't see right now. I love the song we sang, I'm not going to live by what I see. We're saying that I'm not going to live by what I see naturally. But I'm going to live by what I see spiritually. So that's, that's what the Holy Spirit does to us. He quickens our inner person to be able to see beyond what's going on right now. You might, be go, you might have several things going on in your life where you, it's hard to see ahead. How many ever get to a point like that? You're like, I can't see ahead. Uh, maybe it's in your job or your, your children or your career, whatever the case may be, or what's going on in the nation. But the Bible says that in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on his people. And that when he pours out his spirit, that his people are going to be able to prophesy. These people are going to be able to have insight beyond what's going on. And they're going to be able to stand by faith. That's why it says we walk by faith and not by what we see. We walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because we are able to see through the spirit realm. Amen? You see, in the Old Testament... God, God, God did not start pouring out His Spirit on people after the New Testament. I know the Holy Spirit was poured out to the church in Acts chapter 2, a few verses before that. But God still poured out His Spirit on people in the Old Testament. In Genesis, every book of the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But there were selective people that got the Spirit of God upon them. Uh, earlier this year, we spoke, uh, we, we, we zeroed in on the book of Judges, and we, talked, we looked at uh, Samson, who was anointed by the Holy Spirit and was able to do powerful things in the natural, but it was the Spirit of God that empowered him in the Spirit and enabled him to do what he was called to do. See, God has a calling in each one of our lives. You are called, you are, you are born with a purpose. And if you're kicking and breathing right now, your, your time is not over yet. You still have a purpose in God. And so his spirit, so, so he, he, he promised, God promised this, that in the last days, which are the times that we are living in, he's not going to select a few people where we'll have the anointing of the spirit upon them. What God is saying here so clearly is that this power of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring, I'm going outpour, I'm to pour out my spirit indiscriminately. He says, he, he, he says, upon my young people, old people, fathers, you know, servants, men and women. He says, I will pour out my spirit. So 
We live in a time where we have access to what people in the Old Testament did not. So that's what he's meaning here. So let's keep reading here. See what else we could draw from this. Uh, Verse 19. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. That feels like last night, right? (laughs) Then the sun will become dark. Sounds like tomorrow, right? And the moon will turn red blood. <laughs> and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arise. Man, how many are excited about the eclipse tomorrow? How many now are thinking, geez, should I be thinking a little bit more about this eclipse? Not really. I don't have a word of the Lord from you. But it's amazing. You see, when God created um, uh, uh, the heavens and the earth, he says, oh, the sun and the moon are there to give a sign. And he said, he will speak through those things. To tell us the seasons. He will speak through those things. It's not just natural. Always. God designed it on purpose. We didn't make it. He did. And what an awesome opportunity to live. I hope we're all alive tomorrow to experience. I'm excited. Uh, my kids are excited. And uh, it was like me. I procrastinated getting those glasses. And I started looking for him on Thursday. And I, everybody was sold out including Amazon. But thank God for people who plan ahead. Who see in the spirit. Some friend help me out. (laughs) Which was really awesome. But he says. um, But before that glorious day of the Lord. But anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Will be saved. And here is a key about what we're talking. uh, What we're talking about. God is after every person. To have an opportunity to be saved. See, the Spirit is not poured out for us just to feel good. But ultimately, God wants everyone to be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish, the Scripture says. The Lord wants all people to come to the knowledge of Christ. And He says that they will prophesy, they will have visions, they will have dreams. And that talks, all three of them speak of the ability to see beyond the present realm. To see in the spiritual realm. Now, In 1 Corinthians 2.9, I don't have it over there, so you can write it down. It says that, but it is written, that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, Yes, the deep things of God. I could start unpacking this verse a little bit, and I don't want to dwell on there, but I'm going to highlight a couple of things for you this morning on that. It says, no eye has seen, right? No eye has had, and it hasn't even been conceived. You, you think you've had, you have imagination that's great. This is, it still pales to the plans that God has for your life. You cannot in your mind, be able to actually see it all. But because he says, I will pour out my spirit on my people, of those who love me, I will reveal those plans to them. It's time to see. It's a promise that he has. One caveat there that a lot of people overlook in our culture right now and the way things are, 
He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men, plans the hearts for those who love him. How many love the Lord? Jesus said, because we all can easily say we love the Lord. But Jesus says, here's how you find out. Here's how you know that you love me. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And our culture right now is selling a counterfeit gospel. A gospel that does not require one to follow the commandments of the Lord. And we try to twist the words and say, oh, that's Old Testament. We live in New Testament. Oh, the, old, uh, the, the, the commandments are irrelevant. No, they are not. They're not irrelevant. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. So, so, so that's a, an attachment to that. And it's a good to think about it. So, and, I, and I'm submitting to you this morning that there are many believers that miss out on that ability to see and the promise of the Holy Spirit to clearly be able to give you and push you through the right direction be only because we're missing that element. Because that promise comes with a, uh, it comes with a caveat. Those who love me and those who love me do this. And we're trying to do away with that. It's like a child. Parents say amen. Who maybe when things are not going so well with the parents and maybe they're getting a punishment or something, say, you don't love me at all. How many have ever seen that? Oh, maybe you are that child. And you know that's not true. But in the moment they feel like, you don't love me. And sometimes you are like that with the Lord. We feel like if you love me, that all things go. Love accepts all things. If you condemn something, is that you're out of love. Or if I love you, there's a condition that I must endorse everything that you do. And if I object one thing you do do, you say, well, you don't love me. And people live with that guilt. And they cannot separate that. And so we are baited all the time. And there are cultural wars going on all the time. Because the bait's thrown on something. And we all bite. And it's like, it's all or nothing. If you love me, you have to agree with everything. And you say, I don't agree with, well, I like everything, but that, I don't agree with that. Oh no, you hate me. Full of hate. Don't buy into that people of God. Don't buy into that. It's not of God. And God doesn't work that way. He requires something from us. Not to make things difficult for us. No, to make things good for us. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men. The plans that God has for those who love him. These are good things, people. He's looking out for our good. He gave it all. He says, he who did not spare his own son for us, would he withhold any good thing for us? He most definitely will not. God wants to bless you. He has plans for your life. 
And he's given us his spirit so that we can see beyond what's going on in our lives, that we can see and we can hold on to faith. I talked a few, uh, three weeks ago about, uh, I, in fact, I say I started talking about three weeks ago. And I, and I started giving you, you know, some people, they live uh, in, a, in a place where you, you don't have a dream anymore. There is no fire in your life anymore. There is no uh, passion for God in, in your life or for, or for life in general. And, 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 I, and, I, and I was talking, uh, speaking of five different kinds of people. And I'm going to go through the first three real quick because I talked about it three weeks. You could go on our, um, our website and be able to pull this out if you're interested in catching on. But there are people that have lost their, their dream. They have no dream at all. Either they don't have a dream or they've lost their dream. And you know that you don't have any dream. And God doesn't want you to live without a dream. It's because you're going through the motions. That's how you diagnose that. You know, I am not, I have no dream in my life if everything is going through the motion. That could be in your work. You're just going in, punching the clock, going out. But there is no fire, there is no purpose, there is nothing that excites you to be there. And you can ignite, the, and, and, and I said that you can ignite a fire in there even if you don't like the job. Because you can allow the Spirit of God to see the people that you get to interact in the job. And that be the reason why you are where you are. Still get your paycheck and do your best, right? But don't live without that fire, without that purpose. And then there are people that have the wrong dream. They're living the dream. They're doing all that they can. Um, you know, their life is good. They get everything they ever wanted to get in life. But it's not a dream that God's inspired. It's their own thing, not what God uh, led them to do. And then you have people that have a still dream. It's there, but maybe through disappointment, trial, waiting, whatever the case might be, you've kind of lost it. It's there, but it's not. And you can ignite that by, by the word. And this morning, I want to finish that list. How many are waiting? You know, I say, how many are waiting for that list to be finished? All right, number four. <laughs> there are people that have a vague dream. It's vague. It's there, but it's not clear. I walk <laughs> for eighteen years, eighteen and nineteen years. I've worked in the personal finance world as a, uh, a career, and I just I've seen thousands. I've worked with thousands of families in two different cultures. And on personal finance, just how we handle our money every day. And I, and, on a part, and and so I've touched on many, many different things that I've done. I remember one time working as a, as a consumer loan officer. It was always the tax refund part, you know, Christmas, right? You want to get that quick note at the bank. Hey, could you get me five grand here? You know, I have an emergency. What's an emergency? Oh, Christmas. And it's really... It's always December 25th every year, but it's an emergency now. So, right, and it feels like it. I'm going to pay it off. When my tax refund comes, I'm going to pay it off. And they mean it. They will pay it off when the tax refund comes. So, Christmas goes, it's awesome. Glory to God in the highest. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Beautiful time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas bells are ringing. It's awesome. Life is glorious, right? 
Then January comes. You have to take the Christmas tree down. And, uh, and for whatever reason, the furnace always goes out in the middle of winter. Never in the summer. And life happens, right? And so and by the time that tax refund comes, that money was gone a long time ago. It was spent before it even came. How many hear me know what I'm talking about? But next year is going to be the year that I'm going to get out of debt. And the cycle just goes on. And oftentimes, it's not that the intention isn't right. It's not that the plan isn't right. It's not that the desire isn't there. It's not that there is no dream to be debt free sometime. It's always here. In my mind, it's not really written out to see, can this be a plan that can be executed? Would it really? And, 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 and in Habakkuk 2.2, the Lord talks to the prophet and says, you need to write the vision down. He said, write it in big block letters that it can be seen on the run. Now, it might take a little while to see it, but keep faith because the Lord will bring it to pass eventually. I've come to find when people actually write a plan, now, it might not go the way you wanted, but when you write a plan, things happen. You're more inclined to actually seeing it through than when it's just vaguely up there in your mind that I'm going to be doing this someday because distractions happen and life happens and, and people go in and through life you're thinking, boy, I've worked for 40 years and I've got nothing to show for it. Big dreams throughout life. And God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants to have clear plans, clear dreams. But he also was not suggesting to the prophet Habakkuk to write it down. He says, without a vision, Proverbs, we know this, the people perish. But our vision needs to be written down according to Habakkuk. It needs to be made plain. What are you, what are you hoping for? What are you desiring to see God do in your life? I use this furnace as an example. Kids, school, whatever. What are you doing? Is it anywhere written? If today God will drop the resources you need to fulfill your dream, would you be ready? Or be scratching your head? I find that many times God is always working on our lives, but we don't. Many times it's us that don't see it. I'm always tickled by people that say, I don't believe in miracles. I don't believe in miracles. The only thing that throws, the one thing that just comes into my mind always, I'm thinking, we're standing and living everyday life on a giant globe out in outer space, spinning around so fast you wouldn't believe it. And it keeps doing it in the sun, orbiting the sun. A globe just floating in air. We wake up in the morning, that cycle. The sun just keeps turning around. This globe is spinning. I don't believe in miracles. No wonder the proverb said, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let it rain. <laughs> you see, 
So God's always working miracles in our lives. And he says that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all people that seek. And when he pours out his spirit, that we're going to be able to prophesy. We're going to be able to see beyond the, the present circumstance. We're going to be able to see beyond the, what's going on right now. What's going on will go on. But the people who, who know their God will be able to see beyond the circumstance. And so when everybody's freaking out, they have the peace of God that passes knowledge. The fire is burning. They can still walk. Even the Bible says that they, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm still not afraid because I know that God is with me. His rod, his staff, they, he comforts me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll be able to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Things are going on around you. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. They are able to see. In Revelation, John the Revelator calls the book, the book of the prophecy. He says, this book of the prophecy. Don't take away from the book of the prophecy. Don't add from the book of the prophecy. And then, Taking you back to Deuteronomy, it says, this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate upon it day and night to do according, observe to what is said, to do according to what it tells you to do. Then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. In other words, there is some success, but there is good success. You don't want just success. God wants good success for you. The book of the prophecy. We're going to be able to see that. And my last point, the fifth. Well, actually, I'm not, going, I'm not done with my fourth. Still the victory. I've got to give you a testimony. Actually, it's not a testimony. It's a bragamony. You know, you have testimonies and you have bragamonies. This is it's a testimony, but it's more of a bragamony. A um, uh, c- couple weeks ago, on the 10th, we... Sarah and I celebrated our 15 years of marriage together. It's amazing. So I feel like 15 years, I feel, still feel 22, you know? But I know I don't look 22 because I ran into one of our flower girls at the wedding and I was there, a senior in college, and I thought, oh my goodness, it is happening. And, you know, it's, she's, she's the most amazing woman in the world. I just, sorry, ladies. Uh, she's the most amazing woman in the world. And, and, you know, we get, we get a lot of people many times when they ask us how many kids we have. Somehow people have these inappropriate responses. I think, who gave you the right to even say that? Who even thought that that's even appropriate? Uh, do you know how it's done? You want to slap him, right? Do you know, you know how to stop it? Oh, did you plan this? Or was it an accident? I'm like, when you really, really think about it, you're like, that's some intimate stuff here you're talking about. And you kind of casually. 
Oh, no, we haven't figured it out. <laughs> Educate me. But I th- the reason she amazes me is I wouldn't have been able to have that many kids if I wasn't married to her. And uh, when we were engaged, we talk about the family size, and she'll be like, hey, I'll t- at least 12 and maybe adopt 20 after that. And she was serious. <laughs> when we were engaged, literally, our biggest fight, our first fight, when we were engaged, it was... We need to adopt that baby. We're not even married yet. And I'm freaking out. <laughs> and she's got it all planned. We're going to adopt before we even get married. <laughs> and, uh, and thank God he intercepted. Good kid. But I was freaked out. But And now they've got eight kids and educates all of them. Many of them are ahead of their peers in the public school uh, academically. Well, and then you go to the doctor's office and they try to quiz your kids because they're homeschooled. Uh, do you know what one plus one is? Tales of a big family homeschool that's a weird family that doesn't fit any box that you can put under the sun. And so... But anyway, when this woman does in any given day, will put to shame any CEO of Fortune 500 company. When she fits in in those those 40 hours every week, when she fits in into those 24 hours every day and gets them done, I haven't met a CEO that works harder or is more efficient. And so it's not me. It's her. I only do science. One class. High school science is all I do. Well, a little bit of history. But I'm behind and she's ahead. So you get the picture. But I took a picture here. Can I embarrass you a little bit? That's a board. It's a, it's a, it's a chalkboard in the dining room. And that thing is always on time. And if you haven't figured it out, it's every meal, breakfast, and everything. Breakfast, lunch, supper, whatever, snack, and even the verse on the bottom to memorize that week. That even the four-year-old who's hungry every three minutes can have my snack now and they knows exactly what the snack is because it's there. They know exactly. So I don't have to figure out what am I going to feed these kids. When I do, it's chaos. And it gets done. And I thought, really? She gets it done because she writes it out. She writes out the whole plan for school. She writes out the whole thing and she gets it done. And I, and I, and I say that because I don't know how she does it, but she does it. And, and I want to challenge some of you on maybe God wants to do, there's something you're desiring of God, just maybe one thing. Write it down. Stop thinking it. Write it. He says, write it down so that it can be seen on the run. 
that the runner may see it. Though it tarries, it will come to pass. I tell people that when it comes to debt, if you want to pay off your debt, write down a plan. Whether it's the Dave Ramsey plan or Crown Financial plan or your own plan, write it down. Though it tarries, the prophet says, it will come to pass. Actually, God says to the prophet, it will come to pass. And my last one, you ready for my last one? It's a dream that I really hope you could get out of here with. And this is a God-honoring, culture-defying, heaven-impacting, seemingly impossible dream. I say seemingly because it is impossible except God. It is impossible but God. Because with men, some things are definitely impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And this kind of dream is not the kind of dream that uh, is for your ego. It's not the kind of dream that is gonna, uh, for your ambition uh, that's going to make you the best or the baddest at, at, at anything. But it's a dream that is closely tied together to God's dream. They ultimately, the last verse we read, 21, that through this dream that people, ultimately people, are going to get saved. A whole lot of people are going to get saved. You're going to go to heaven one day and say, because I, I stuck to this, that I was faithful at this, that I put my heart to this, that I, I live for this, that all these people are spending eternity with the Lord because I dreamed God's dream in my life. And this is a dream that is worth living for and it's a dream that is worth dying for. And there are believers all across the world in our present time, not some long time, that they are dying for this. And they're taking courage knowing that their treasures are laid out in heaven. And uh, no matter what we do, when we miss that, if we don't have that burning fire inside of our hearts, it's all for nothing. It's all for nothing. You can make all the money in the world. Please do make all the money in the world. But this dream, it channels resources. It channels energy. It channels talent. It channels gifting. It looks at opportunities and saying, God, why do you have me here for? And how can I use what I have so that more people and more people and more people can be touched by the power of the gospel and ultimately, eventually, they can be in heaven. And when I walk out before the Lord that day, he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This second row will never look the same for me. It's kind of weird to not see Brother Obasi there. Sorry, I honor her family. We love you guys. We're praying for you and all that. But I believe our Brother Obasi, when he walked into heaven, Jesus says, well done. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. In First Chronicles 12.32, you can write it down. I don't have it up there. It talks about what they call, uh, where the Bible calls them the men of Issachar. It says the men of Issachar, they were different kind of men. Because they had a grasp. They had a grasp on what was happening. 
they understood the times that they were living in. Not with the knowledge of the world, but they could see. See. They could see beyond the present circumstance. They were actually, Israel was going through some troubled times politically. It's before the transition of David and Saul. But the men of Issachar understood the times that they were living in. And those, who, those are the kind of people we need to be on the earth today. The people that have insight. You see, prophecy and seeing are connected. You know what they call the main prophet, the major prophet? They call him the seer. Samuel was a seer. The prophets were seers. So, and I hear God saying, these times that we're living in, in this new dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the seeing is available to all of us. Our sons and our daughters will prophesy. They'll have clarity. They don't have to be confused. They can live in a confused world. They can live in a lost world. But they can prophesy. They can see and not be carried by the world. Noah was a man that could see. When this whole generation was blind, even good people were blind, but Noah could see. And God spared Noah and his family, our sons and our daughters. will prophesy. Young men shall see visions and dream dreams. This is a promise, folks. And we got to contend for it and ask the Lord for it. Uh, that he would, he would um, uh, um, uh, set us ablaze, set us on fire so that we can see with the eyes of the Spirit. And we can live for something that is God-honoring. God-honoring. We can have a dream that's God's honoring. And in God's honoring dream, it takes courage Sometimes. Noah had to have a lot of courage. And he looked like a fool. Because he kept going on over and over again. Noah, what are you talking about this flood? And they mocked him, made fun of him. They thought he was so out of touch with reality. I don't don't know what planet he came from, but Noah could see. Culture defined. Not settling for what is easy in the culture. Not going with the flow of the culture. But going counterculture. As a student of history, I can prove to you through different stages that the culture has always found itself wrong, on the wrong side. And so we look through history and say, oh, I don't want to be a part on the wrong, of the wrong side of history. And in doing so, we go with the culture and we find ourselves exactly at the wrong time of history. Wrong side of history. Culture has always been. What's popular has always been. Historically, you look at there's always been on the wrong side. During the slavery times in America, the general culture and what was nice and kind was wrong. We look at it now and say, oh, how did they let that happen? They were in the culture. They were not counterculture. And Satan will use this every single time to bait us. 
We'll use the methodologies of the world. We will use whatever, the academic uh, um, uh, knowledge of the world and the process of the world to solve spiritual things. The Bible says that the, the, the weapons of our warfare are not mighty. They are not carnal. They are mighty in God through the pulling down of the strongholds. Another place it says in Ephesians that uh, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against principalities and powers and rulers. It says, give us eyes to see. Even this thing that's going on in Charleston, Virginia. We should be concerned. Absolutely. Should we get involved? Yes. But don't get yourself involved like the people of the world. Let the Lord show you people. If you have the Holy Spirit, he says, but the Lord has revealed it to us by his spirit. And these people can be different than the people of the world. That's why we spend time every quarter to fast and pray for our nation, for our families, for our children. Not because we are, our weapons are not of this world. We know that we have to pray this thing if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their wicked Who are turning from their wicked ways? God's people. I will hear from heaven. The Lord says I will forgive them their sins and I will bring healing to their land. And when we define things, when we see the world the same way that our peers in the world do, there's got a problem, Houston. There's a problem in the house of the Lord. The church is not immune to these folks. Not in our generation, not in, genera- in generation past. About 312, uh, uh, 312 AD, AD 312, Constantine was one of the first Roman Empire to, 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 to convert to Christianity. And his impact and the Roman Empire later, in, within a couple of decades, had become a Christian nation. And to this day, we still practice things and observe many traditions in the world that were influenced by the Roman way of life. Some things you don't even think about that were not at all in the Bible, but it's influenced even the way we do worship as a church. So the church is not immune. And the church today, I love Pastor Jerry's message last week about worship. And the worship is turned around into the ways of the world. I've gone to a, uh, you could go to a, uh, you could go to a, a secular concert that is absolutely done well. And spend good money on it and not regret it. And felt like that was what my money was really good. Because it made me feel good and that was great. And you could go with the same feeling out of church. Do we tap into the spirit or is it just on the soul level? For those who worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's time to see people. It's time to see beyond what's going on in the culture. Charleston is in the first, we all know, and is most definitely not going to be the last. But let's not take the bait, people of God. Let's look at it clearly. Filter everything through the lens of his word. And you'll be all right, my friend. If you filter everything through the lens of his word, you'll be all right. You can be compassionate, you can be loving, you can be redeeming, you can bring reconciliation, you can do all that and not bring division. I love our church. Look around. Do we have to make any statements about race? No. Why? The Spirit of God is in this place. Because the Word, if we follow it as it is, 
it always trumps anything, any creativity, any wisdom, earthly wisdom that ever comes. And people think, wow, in the world, how do you guys get along like that? No programs. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters or prophets, I will be able to see things. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender Oh, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. God's define. It is human nature for us to want to be accepted and be liked. That's going to be your nature. That's going to be mine. But culture defying is living by truly what the word says, irrespective of what the, where the culture is moving. Just because it's popular, it doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's culturally acceptable, it doesn't mean it's God. The culture doesn't set the tone for the church to follow. The church ought to set the tone for the culture to follow. Heaven impacting. It's not your Ferrari. If you give me a Ferrari, that's awesome. Give me a ride. Not, nothing wrong with that. But we're seeing beyond. We're seeing the people as eternal beings. We're seeing our children as people that will change the earth. They can live even in a, in a corrupted world. But we know if we instill the word of God in them, that there will be the light that shines in the darkness, that the darkness cannot comprehend it. And it's seemingly impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I don't know if your dream can be achieved, but it's going to be crazy in some ways that only God can fulfill it. I'm dreaming of a church that prays continuously. I know we pray every quarter, but I want to go to next uh, monthly. And I know on Tuesday we try to do on monthly, once a month. Then weekly, then daily, that the house of the Lord will truly be a house of prayer. So people know in Lincoln, if you want to pray, there's a place. There's a house of prayer. You can pray 24-7, seven days a week. It's a house of prayer. That's my dream for, for a church in Lincoln, Nebraska. A church that prays because Satan's afraid of a church that prays. Because a church that prays, a church that prays is a church that sees. What are you hoping for? 
What are you dreaming about? He poured out his spirit so that we can see. And it takes faith to step into that side because faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. How many are excited for the times that we're living in? I don't hate my generation. I love it. I love it that the Lord's given me the privilege to live in this time. And you should love it too because he's put you in this time for a reason. Let's change Lincoln. Let's see Nebraska change. Let's see the United States change. It's time to see. I'm going to take a few moments and worship. Amen.